Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to a beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Spring Developer Advocate Josh Long, and this show is all about the real heroes behind Spring and its ecosystem. Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to another installment of a beautiful podcast. How are you this fine Thursday, the 16th of February? I'm doing all right. Thank you. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, it's, I'm in Chicago. It's cold. It's miserable. But you know what? I'm having a blast. I love Chicago. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, remember, I always joke um, somewhat patronizingly that there are only really two cities in this country. And I say that as a person who lives in what a lot of people would have con- considered two other cities. There's a, there, you know, I live in San Francisco, but I'm from Los Angeles, both of which are certainly well known across the world, you know, um, not as capitals, but certainly as destinations uh, that people go to if for no, other, for no other reason than for tourism. But um, but I, really, in America, if you think about it, we've only got really two cities, right? New York City and Chicago. And what I mean by that is skyscrapers, right? I forget the actual numbers, but I remember hearing at one point in my life that there was like 300 skyscrapers in New York and 150 in Chicago and then like 20 in Los Angeles, right? It doesn't even come close, right? So you get to these two cities uh, and just the skyline is everything. It's amazing. It's These two are the most like impressive uh, and, and some of the oldest, right? They also have... Some of the most history and all that. Um, it's amazing what we can do uh, over time with enough energy and effort and, you know, sort of concerted uh, initiative uh, to build. And um, and so it's also amazing how quickly it all can be taken away. So I just uh, I, I want to, like, encourage you. I know you've probably heard this from everybody at this point. But uh, please. Please, I know wallets are tight. I know the recession is bad. I know it's crazy, but could you? I mean, if you got any extra money, send it to Turkey and Syria. Uh, the the death toll is unfathomable. I mean, good God, forty forty thousand people that were that are are no longer here, right? The the, the death toll as of this recording, at last I checked, was forty thousand people. Forty thousand people that can't hug their children or the grandchildren, can't hug their significant others, they can't turn up at the dinner table, can't go to school, can't go to work, can't do all the things that human beings do in their day-to-day sort of rhythm. And it's just unfathomable. I can't even, 40,000, it's just, it's, it's, it's math. It's a number. I can't like, just think about that, right? I mean, there are towns in America that are, that have less, that have a smaller population than that, you know? Um, 40,000 people is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's an, it's obscene. So, they need our help. And it wasn't, you know, and, and, you know, the, the, I think what really strikes me is just how senseless it all is. It's just an earthquake. I mean, it, it, it the ground took these people, you know, like it, uh, they, there's nothing they could have done. Nothing. They, you know, there's nothing. It's just senseless carnage and these people need our help. So if you can donate, please do. Now, my friends, um, uh, today, you know, I, I'm a big fan of, uh, practicing uh, practitioners you know people doing amazing things to do to further their uh their initiatives with technology uh and practical applications of technology right I, I love the theory obviously i spend a lot of time uh dwelling on theory it's sort of one of my um one of my uh you know pastimes obviously um because i can't build everything i hope to build right i can only uh be witness in some cases but um, I love talking to people who are building amazing things. And so in this show, I try and bring practitioners, uh, and it doesn't always have to be in terms of spring. I just, I, much though I love spring, uh, I have been told again, not confirmed, but the scientists have told me it's possible. There are people building apps with other technologies besides spring. Now, again, hypothetical, I've never seen this in practice, but in theory it's possible. So today we talked to somebody who claims it is, uh, this person, they're using, uh, JavaScript, right? But it doesn't matter what they're, what, what they're using, uh, uh, is they're building GraphQL services and they're doing it in a, um, the, the company is of Avalara, which is a uh, company that works in the incredibly data intense, uh, and regulated domain of tax, right? Um, and it's just an incredibly complicated thing to work on. And you can imagine it would be all that much more complicated to take something that already works but was built in REST and then move it to GraphQL. But that's just what they did. They already had a working system b- deployed and, and successful at scale and they migrated to GraphQL. So I, w- I was just really excited to have a chance to talk about that with them and to 
learn more about some of the uh, trials and tribulations of that migration. Uh, and so today we are joined by Kumarasan Mutaliar, uh, who's a um, you know senior engineer uh, at uh, Avalara. So with that, my friends, please enjoy. This is, I think, super interesting discussion. Uh, I learned a ton, and I hope you do as well. And uh, also, I'll see you next week. And if you're, by the way, I'm also doing lots of live streams uh, on YouTube.com at Coffee Software. Lots of videos there, lots of content. But um, if you want to just like hold uh, hold court with me, you know, we can have a conversation. We can do whatever. I'm enjoying that a lot. It's been really great. I'm just able to be out there um, uh, shooting the breeze with people and writing code and, and answering questions and doing whatever. Okay. All right. started the recording. Uh, you were just telling me before I so rudely interrupted you uh, that, you, that you're living, you're in the best scene that one of my guests, probably one of the best scenes one of my guests has ever been in, um, which is right now, as I talk to you, it's early morning in India and there are beautiful birds chirping and I can hear it. And so you switch yes. to your headsets so that we can spare the audience the the distress of having to listen to the beautiful distress. birds and knowing that they can't be there and listen to them with you, you know? Uh, yeah, 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 correct. Oh, I'm so yes. jealous. Um, you're living a good life, my friend. Can you tell people who you are and, uh, you know, what you do? Sure, Josh. So I'm Kumar, Kumar Sen Mudliar, and I am, I am in India, in Mumbai to now, actually. Uh-huh. And I have been a software developer for the past 10 years, you know, working with product-based companies like uh, Dassault Systems, uh, Slumberger. And today I'm working with Avalara for the past one year, or I would say it's more than one year now, 14, 15 months now. And I've been working here as a tech lead, working on new projects, new latest technologies, exploring them, you know, learning them and you know, just understanding how beneficial these new technologies could be because the world of technology is evolving every day, right? I mean, every yeah. day you face challenges and you get to you get to have new solutions to it. So that's what I, I like to learn. I like to explore. And that is how I came into GraphQL. Right? That's and awesome. I've been, yeah. And, and it's been like seven to eight months that I've been working with GraphQL and I and I, you know, I try to inspire people to go and look at GraphQL and see how it can solve your problems that you're facing with your applications. I, you know, that's so cool. I so our friend, our mutual friend Scott, connected us, right? Uh, Correct. You're you're not using Java for the back end, it sounds like, but but you are using GraphQL, and I know, and I love GraphQL, right? And so I was very very excited to talk to you about some mm-hmm. of your use cases and some of the things that you're doing um, there. Uh, mm-hmm. But before we get into that, just first of all, can you tell us about the company that you're at, that you're at right now? Sure. So I am working with Avalara, and you know Avalara is a U.S.-based company, and we have our development teams in India as well. And it is a it is a company which works mostly on the tax you know taxation domain. You know we wow. we build tax automation technology so that you know people can seamlessly integrate with our systems and use it as easy as possible right and you know we have a lot of customers in us who are using the you know the this technology that we have developed already we have avalara avatax which is a very popular uh application i would say which reduces the hassle and complexity of your tax compliance you know for, at every <laughs> stage and you know you know taxation is a very important you know you know it's a very important aspect in your life because when you earn the government is going to take tax from you and you want that that process to be hassle-free and very easy, right? That's right. where Avalara comes into picture. And that's wow. where we, we build technology that help users, you know, and reduce their, their, their pain in, you know, filing the taxes or returns and everything. That's wow. What we do. Yeah. I mean, as you know, for, I don't know, for the, uh, for the people in the audience, mm-hmm. um, the the American tax system is anything but a system. You know, it's a anarchy. Mm-hmm. It is one of the most. It's I I I personally uh, love the idea of paying my taxes. You know, I love okay. that I can contribute back to my 
society. Uh, but the way it's done here, I, I think it's not hard to argue is insane, right? It's so painful. And so Correct. all we need all the help we can get, you know, and I'm glad to hear there's something like this out there to make it easier. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I mean, anywhere in the world, the system is not that easy when it comes to taxation, sure. right? There are so many forms. There are, yeah. you know, when you, when you see that web page, there are so many fields that you need to fill in. You, you are not even sure what this field means actually, right? We want to simplify this process. Right. And that is where we right. are working. So what, what, what compels a, a very smart person like you? to do that why would you do that instead of like carrying cancer or you know becoming batman or something like what what's the like you have all these things you could do with your life why work on tax you know which sounds like a, a, a lot of pain so yeah it sounds like pain you know i mean it sounds like pain for an individual even i'm an individual who earns something and i also pay tax for my country you know for the benefit of my country but oh, the process is right. so for the for the process is so so complicated you know i have gone through that pain you know i don't want right. more people to go through that pain and i want to ease this you know this process for them wow and and and, and i i feel that if you have the skills to solve some problem i think you should put your skill into use right we we have developers who can you know who who can build such solutions for users who are facing such problems. And, you know, it is not that if I am into pain, let the other people in be pain. I can be a solution. I can be a problem solver here, right? Just right. Play with my skills and solve it. And, be the and I love, I love doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Be the change that you want to see. Yes. So what, when you, um, would you say that you work on, you know, web apps or what's your, the experience yes. there is, is APIs, uh, backend stuff, or front end web apps, or uh... yeah. So I work on both front end and back end. I mean, as a full stack okay. developer, right? Yeah. I, I I write my own APIs and I consume them again in my front end application. So I'm doing both the things. The one advantage that we have here is, you know, I'm the one who defines the contract for the API, and I'm the one nice. who's going to consume it. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is fun to do. So I work on both uh, both the ends, you know, both the right. front end as, as well as the back end. And what is the front end technology? When you talk about front end, are you saying like a browser based app or a mobile app or uh, both? I mean, other... yeah. So we work on both, uh, you know, web application on, uh, I mean, a browser based app, you know, web app or also a mobile application. So we yes. use different technologies here, like uh, uh, Angular JS. We use React. We use Vue JS also for some to some extent. So I mean, working on both. And today, you know, this this technologies, right? They support both the mobile platform as well as the the web platform, right? On the right. the desktop applications. So it's both. I mean, we work on both the both the aspects actually, both the parts. So we. In in those clients that you just mentioned, React and Angular and Vue.js yes. and whatever, uh, and yes. and an iPhone. Do you do native code for the iPhone and the Android, or do you use like React Native or something like that? Yeah, we use React Native. We use React Native okay. for iPhone, you know, and uh, mostly we don't have an you know standalone iPhone application like you hosted on App Store or or, or Google Play Store. We basically it's a web based application, right? So I see. The applications are built responsive so that, uh, you know, the user can use it on any device. That is what we target. Right. And yeah. Amazing. Okay. So, so the, you're, you are, are doing your best to make it simple for the different clients. Uh, but mm -hmm. yet, because you're running on different clients, you have different use cases, right? It's not the different same for every. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. So that's interesting to me. Because I, I, I find that people who are moving to, uh, you know, something like GraphQL, there's, it's, it's never as simple as I've just got one API, right? Correct. I've got multiple use cases, even though I have one API, I need to support different flows or different variations of it or whatever. Um, okay. Those libraries all have good HTTP support, however, right? Like, uh, it's mm -hmm. not hard to make a, I mean, JavaScript, right? Window.fetch. Uh, it's easy enough to make a client call to a HTTP endpoint. 
um, with just regular REST. You know, that's basically you can do that without any libraries in the in the browser today. Um, yes. So why would you go to GraphQL? Like, you know, why would you add that extra? Because uh, that's not built in in the browser, right? You have to have a parser to handle the response and uh, something like that, right? Correct. So, you know, the basic use case that why we moved on to GraphQL is today the customer, he wants to see data as soon as he loads your application, right? You know, right. he's like, I, I, I have I have hit that URL. I want to see the data. You know, they don't have that patience to wait for the data to load or we cannot ask the customer to wait. We are loading the data for you. Correct. Right. So we want something which is fast, which is flexible. Correct. And today the data is not just one resource. Right. The data, the data ecosystem is so wide that you have so many resources in your system and you are fetching data from multiple resources at a time. Correct. So we want something which can query multiple resources at a time. We have only one endpoint. We also have to take care of the latency or network issues that we face when we are querying multiple endpoints or, you know, when you are querying multiple resources. So to avoid, you know, this is a problem to the user, right? The user, he just wants to see the data. He is not concerned about what you're doing in your backend, how you're loading your data. He just wants to see the data, correct? Right. So that is where we realize that we want something which is fast, which is flexible to use, you know, and which is also developer friendly. You know, right. the the pain that you talked about, right? Bringing in a new technology, starting from scratch, it is definitely a pain in the, in, in when we talk from the developer's aspect, from his perspective, right. it is a pain because already you have your system designed, you, are, you have your REST APIs in place and everything is working according right. to you. But this is, the market is according to the the consumer, right? It's according right. to the user. We want the consumer to use our application. We don't want him to say that, oh, your application is pain. I will go to something else. Correct. So that is where right. we, we thought of GraphQL. We explored GraphQL. GraphQL was in the industry, like it's more than five to six years now that it is in industry. But mm-hmm. this was the time when we realized, okay, GraphQL could be a problem solver for us here. And we took that pain, but it had its own benefits of using it, correct? Okay, so let's talk about that. So what were some of the drawbacks to using HTTP REST? Would would you say that you were using like proper hypermedia REST or was it just JSON APIs with uh, URIs, you know? First off, that's my first question. So we we have a lot of uh, JSON APIs. You know, API which res- which responds you which oh, right. JSON response, correct? Right. So we we have a lot of JSON responses, but uh, the problems that we faced was, you know, suppose I'm building an, a a web page, okay, and I have data coming from different resources, right? So for example, I say for the US state, I want to see a list of jurisdictions. You know, I want to see a list of tax codes and all, and these are two different sources basically one is from the jurisdiction and the data system and one is coming from the uh, tax area code is coming from some other data system right so when i'm loading this page basically i'm giving two network calls you know two different endpoints two different rest apis have been called right? right and so when you load your page you basically call this endpoints and until the whole data is loaded you have to wait for you know the customer has to wait for the data to load correct right and the the next problem is you know, for my, for example, if I'm building a dropdown in my web application, right, I just want to look the name of the jurisdiction, look at the name of the jurisdiction, correct. But when I hit that endpoint, I basically get details like uh, the name of the jurisdiction, the code for it, and, you know, some other related information, which is not needed in, in this case for this page that I'm developing, correct. So I'm actually doing an overfetching of data. And sometimes I'm also doing an underfetching of data. So basically, again, I hit one more API to fetch the data that I'm, you know, I'm looking for. Basically, I parse that data. You know, as a developer, I have to parse that data and build that JSON object and give it to my front end, right? So this is right. the second problem of overfetching and underfetching. And then you give so many API calls, correct? And suppose you have so many clients. Okay, one client, he wants to look at jurisdiction name for example, and the other client, he also wants to look at the, you know, some other related information to the jurisdiction. So you basically don't, you know, scrap your API that you already developed. You basically create a new version of it, right? The concept of API version. Right. 
because yeah, and now you've got two things to maintain, even though basically one is a, a branch of the other. Is, is a branch of the other, correct. So you maintain that, you have to maintain your documentation. For example, you use a swagger, you know, you maintain the, you know, what are the request bodies? What is the response for each of the APIs? You basically, as a developer, you have to go through all this pain and it is also cost you time, right? Maintaining this right. many APIs, correct. And suppose if there is a change, you have something new, newly added into your data system, for example, into your schema, you have to update all the APIs. Correct, or else the APIs would fail in some time. So these are, I mean, these are some of the major issues. You know, the right. issues with the network calls, rapid, uh, and you know, sometimes what you have to do is because you get a response in a particular structure, you go and make some modifications in your front end. Correct, because the front end is tightly coupled with the structure that is coming from the back end. Right, if something changes because, in this structure, yeah. you have to make some modifications in the front end. Correct. Right. Definitely at some time. So this, so these are some of the challenges. Yeah. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So you're, you're trying to, well, I mean, I think you still have the client expects certain things to be in certain places, no matter whether you're using GraphQL or HTTP REST. Correct. Yeah. Right. Um, but, but you're saying uh, it makes no sense to give the client too much data. And sometimes you data. end up having to do that. Correct. And as soon as you want to change it to either remove some of the data because it's too much, then you risk mm-hmm. breaking other clients that expect Correct. that data to be there. Yes. I see. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then and, you have so many network calls also, right? You know, you know, yeah. when, when you have your data system connected, you have one data schema and you have resources underneath it. So why should we query each resource separately? We want something which queries the whole data system, which queries the whole schema. Correct. Right. And get and get and get data from different resources in one response. Correct. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so so you want so you that's the other thing that's nice about GraphQL is I can ask it to give me different results. I can say give me whatever all the states mm. and I don't know all the currencies and all the well, whatever. And it can give it to you in one response, right? You don't have to in make one three response. calls to three services. Correct. You get that in I one see. response. Yeah. That's awesome. It's so convenient. Um, so now you don't have to do lots of round trips, right? You can no. just ask for exactly what you need, no more and no less. Correct. Yeah. We, exa- we, we can ask exactly for what I'm looking for. For example, if I talk about the, you know, I, I have two clients. One wants to see just the, you know, the state, the name of the states that we have, you know, that we are supporting, for example, okay. And the other client wants to see the states and, you know, uh, the other parts of that state and all. So basically, the endpoint is going to be same. Yeah. But the the query that I'm going to hit in the or the data that I'm going to ask is going to differ. Here, I'm just going to ask for the jurisdiction name or just the the name of that state and here right. I might ask name and give me some other details. Right. So I'm, I'm not changing any of the APIs here. I'm just, I just have the same API. What changes right. is what I'm asking from that API. Right. And that's, and that's very convenient because it's a, uh, it's, you can right size it, you know? Correct. Um, you can right size it. Okay. So I have questions. So are you using any subscriptions? No, these are just queries. We do queries and we also have mutations. uh, You know, we use GraphQL also for mutations. Like that is for creating some entries, updating some entries or deleting some of the entries from a database. You know, we do. But but no subscription types? Uh, Interesting. I mean, I I mean, it's fine. Most people don't need subscriptions. I just think it's, I just wonder, I always ask, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's very simple to think about GraphQL, right? Because all read operations, basically 99% of them are queries and mm-hmm. all write operations, all updates, all changes, all deletes are mutations, right? Mutations, so correct. Just two, you've got two verbs for 99.9% of your uses, you know? Um, correct. So I, I, do you remember, I, I mean, it's very different from HTTP people. So it, it used to be, we would talk about, um, uh, you know, all the different ways to to interact with an HTTP service, right? You have the verbs, 
So uh, get and post and put and options and delete and, uh, you know, whatever. But now right. you've got just these two very simple verbs. Very simple know. verbs, correct. Yeah. Very convenient. Um, what kind of security do you, does a does a GraphQL system use? Like, how do you lock it down? Is it just using Jot or, you know, something like that? Yes. So, I mean, you know, you, the best practices of, you know, for GraphQL security is that you can have validations, you know, you can also have authorization and authentication, like, you know, which users are allowed to hit a write query or a read query. We can, we can have that. So that is where the Apollo client comes into picture, right? So, you know, you, the Apollo client server is basically, uh, used for the implementation, correct? So whenever you have an API call, it goes from your Apollo client and that is where it calls the GraphQL client that you have hosted on, on any of your port number, right? So you can have an authentication authorization set up on your Apollo client itself. Okay. You can also, you can also have uh, restrictions based on the type of users. So we, I mean, GraphQL, it doesn't provide any, you know, a built-in security structure that it has, but basically you can secure your GraphQL API that you have to do it at your end, basically. You have to do that at your what? I mean, this security has to be done at, at your end. I mean, when you're developing that oh, GraphQL right. API, right? You have, Sorry, to, yeah, you the, have to set that, yeah. The audio skipped. I just didn't hear that one token, that one uh, syllable. Uh, so yeah, on your end. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Correct. Um, interesting. Cool. Yeah. So, okay. So you're using, uh, tax dom- the tax domain is, it's, it's, in, it's very rich, right? There's a lot of moving parts. Um, Correct. I imagine it must be very nice to work with GraphQL there because it can be so, you can have a very rich sprawling domain and get mm-hmm. as little or as much as you need, which, mm-hmm. you know, and it's also rapid. It, it changes a lot. I imagine, right. If tax code changes yeah. from year to year, yes. you know, how does that, I mean, I don't even know how that would work. I, I suppose you must have to, you must have, you must need to uh, retain backwards compatibility in some cases with older clients doing older, like, even though the current tax year is the current tax year, I'm sure there's, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, you have use cases that require older apps to still work, right? Is that a, is that a situation? Yes. That that definitely is a situation, right? Because not everybody is using a latest version of your application, right? Someone or, you know, the latest data that they are seeing. So right. your application needs to be backward compatible, correct? And GraphQL is well known, you know, to maintain this backward compatibility of your APIs, correct? Because, uh, you know, you can add, uh, you know, GraphQL provides you with some fields and types, you know, every time you need them, you can keep them or you can just remove them. Okay, so there is a directive right. in GraphQL, for example, there's a directive called as accurate deprecated. Okay, you just right. have to, you know, mark one of your field or your type as accurate deprecated and, you know, it is still there, but you're just, you know, you're the server or your GraphQL client is just avoiding or ignoring it for a particular time. Correct. So it is backward compatible saying that I'm not going to scrap anything. Correct. Even if somebody is looking at my old system, he'll still be able to use it. Yeah. Amazing. Do you have, um, so for, I I imagine most of the data is just JSON, right? That makes sense. Do you have anything that requires other kinds of data? Like for example, with, with HTTP REST, it's easy to figure out how to do, um, let's say I wanted to serve up an image, right? I would just send a URL for a resource Mm -hmm. that happens to have a content type of image, right? Um, okay. But with GraphQL, you know, there, you can use GraphQL, I imagine, for the data, but you still have to serve up an image somewhere, right? Uh, using that regular URI structure, you know? Mm-hmm. Correct. Is that, yeah, do you have I mean, any kind of situations where JSON doesn't work? If you need something else? No. So most of our most of our queries are, you know, they respond in a JSON format. But yes, I think I think we can use. I mean, uh, for I mean, we have not used GraphQL for anything other than JSON content type, and I have never tried with uh, you know content type uh, as an image content type with GraphQL. Correct. So I'm not sure, but I think 
uh, in such cases right i think in such cases i think it you know it would be good to use a a rest http rest when you're because this is an heavy operation right the jsons are very easy to use and i i believe that uh, i believe that you know json structures are very easy to do with graphql and right i've never tried with it's the default yeah it's a default one yes graphql yeah. response and even graphql responses are serialized as a json by default so right. i don't know if they serve images i i don't think they serve images i mean i i've never tried that but i mean, it it's it i cannot think of uh even when i used rest mm-hmm. and even when i had my own custom content types you know my mm-hmm. own mime types usually it was some schema based on json it was just a custom encoding of a structure right okay. and it was still basically json right so it just makes sense to me that json would be the default in graphql you know because 99% of the time that's mm-hmm. the payload i'm going to be sending over the wire with rest now it's just assumed it just makes sense that would be the default in graphql you know okay. um, yeah yeah i loved uh, that flexibility right and you know if you if you have some scenario like this right you know what what we can do is basically so see image is basically a content where you you basically have to store that image you you cannot you know you cannot encrypt right. it or you store some format of it right you are basically right. going to store it and if some scenario like this comes what i would be doing it you know i would create a i would create an s3 bucket where i can store this image okay and this would be a key key pair right i'll have a key to that particular image and this key right you know how to identify the image i'll be getting that value using my graphql query and i'll store that in the database okay and i'll have a graphql query which fetches me this key and then i use this key to fetch that that object from my s3 bucket which is which is one way of doing it right very natural yeah yeah exactly you, you can just use it to serve up the url too um and then people can resolve that uh, directly yes. well okay that's cool that's super cool this this is the kind of stuff i love about uh graphql i just think it's super flexible are you you're using it with http right um yes the 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 graphql itself but graphql doesn't actually require http right and so one thing i think is kind of interesting yes. is you could do it over web sockets you could do it over like for example the spring project supports r socket uh and http and web sockets and right. uh you know i think so the transport is sort of immaterial it becomes less important um and so if you wanted to skip the inefficiencies of http altogether you mm-hmm. can still use graphql you know so, uh, yes. which is amazing i love that makes correct. it even more efficient uh for more mobile efficient. clients and things correct yes so it, it it is not required that you know every graphql request should be handled by http correct graphql right graphql does it and i mean what i would say is graphql is just two things one is you know in terms of http it is just a get and post method right you either right. read something or you mutate something that is you don't need an http for it basically right it just it just happens to be the thing you're using but you know um that's awesome i i i really i'm just i'm envious of you because you it's so rare to find somebody working in such a very complicated domain uh and then able to make it work as an as a microservice or a bunch of services you know with yes. a, a, first with http rest apis uh, mm-hmm. And then to have the ability to take it and turn it into GraphQL, you know, mm-hmm. that yes. most people would be, would be terrified of changing something as encompassing as uh, anything that deals with the dom- the entire domain of tax, for example. Um, yeah. So, you know, what what is what is the point that we, you know, that we make out of it here is, right, when you have a complex system like something like the tax domain, right, the system is very complex. Right you know there are so many and you know graphql actually works as a graph you know you have different nodes connected right. to each other and when you have a system like this i believe graph is a graph data structure is the best you know to imagine how your system is connected and how easily you can traverse between one resource to another resource correct and your right. system is already complex why would we comp- you know increase the complexity by doing something with rest you know when you know right. your system is already complex and you're writing so 
complicated SQL queries, for example, right, with so many joins and, you know, so many inner queries, or maybe you are creating some store procedures or transactions, even transaction right. is possible in GraphQL, right? So when right. you can ease your job uh, by, you know, by reducing this complexity, and the major advantages of GraphQL is you you are actually having only one endpoint, correct? There's only one endpoint, which is called a slash GraphQL. And that one yeah. endpoint serves you with any number of data and with any number of resources or connected resources, correct? Yep. So when you have a system which is complex, why to, you know, make it more complex by having something in the back end, which right. is even complex I... to develop and also to maintain. Right, exactly. Oh, that's a great way to think about it, right? I don't want to add, in, what's, that, what's that called? Incidental complexity, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. uh, the intrinsic complexity versus extrinsic complexity. I, yeah, it's, uh, REST is, and, they, and I know that, I mean, I like REST for certain use cases, obviously. They're, the, the idea, I think people are, the, the original document, the original theory that I remember reading about around REST was in the long term, on the order mm-hmm. of years, decades, and hundreds of years, mm-hmm. things like content negotiation, uh, things like built-in caching, things like um, the ease of filtering, and because uh, you know with HTTP you get filtering, right? You can I can have a, an endpoint here mm-hmm. that sends a request over here today. Yeah. And then tomorrow mm-hmm. I can put a proxy in the, between them and I can add to the response. I can add to the request and to the response and neither side knows about this. Okay. So hmm. I can actually, I can treat HTTP like a bunch of filters. Um, and so that's a, it makes it easy to grow a system. And so the, all these features, they were, they are, I think it's not, it's not incorrect to say that these features will help you and make your life easier in the very long term, you know, decades, you know, but you get a lot of those benefits with GraphQL. You know, you get, you can use filters on GraphQL because it can be HTTP if you want it to be. Um, You can use caching, for example, with GraphQL uh, and, and, and you get rid of some of these other complexities. Um, Yeah. Now you also get rid of content negotiation that goes away, but that's a, that's, that feels like a drawback, right? It feels like content negotiation and MIME types, are a useful thing in the order of decades, in the order of like very long term. But if you're trying to build something today, I can't imagine starting with anything besides GraphQL. You know, it just seems so much cleaner, you know, and faster. Yeah. And productive. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, there is one more, one more unique advantage of GraphQL and that is the type system. You know, it comes, yes. it comes up with its own type system. Right? Schema. Yeah. The schema and type system, right? You, you, when you define your GraphQL query, you know what your result is going to be. So you basically, you know, without GraphQL, suppose I have a, I, I have a rest endpoint and I'm fetching some data. I do that validation at my, when I'm processing that data, if the data that I received is in the format of a string or no, if it is a right, right. email ID or no, right? Correct. So GraphQL provides you this type system where you can closely match you know, you, the query closely matches what your result would look like, correct? Right. So you avoid the complexity of validating what your data has come out from your query, basically. You don't have to do that. And then you have object types and fields, right? You you basically type your query, like, you know, what your query is going to respond with. Right. With the rest, you don't know what it is going to respond. Obviously, it is a JSON structure, but what are the attributes inside it? You know, what are the fields inside it? For example, when I say I create a type user, I know it is going to have first name, last name, you know, and maybe an address or a phone number. Correct. I won't right. see something, some, I won't see some data, which is, which, which is surprising. Like, for example, I won't see, uh, you know, something like what is a, what is the size of the shirt that he's using or what is the size of, you know, the pants that is using that is irrelevant. Right. I define a type of my data. And I say, yeah, this is what I'm looking for. And this is what I'll be getting. No complexity of validating that data once it is arrived. So, you know, you, you make an absolutely great point, a, a rock solid great point, which it, some of the benefits of, of media queries, of, of uh, not media queries, of, of content negotiation, some mm-hmm. of those benefits are 
that you get schema, but it's something you have to add for each type. Whereas with GraphQL, everything has schema by default and there's no way to avoid it. And, you know, like you're right. We, we just talked about this. Most systems in the rest, I'm using air quotes here. People can't see it because it's a podcast, but I'm using air quotes. When we talk about most rest quote unquote systems, it's just Mm -hmm. HTTP with JSON. Right. Uh, And so the client, the client has no idea what the shape of the payload should be. None. And there's no validation built in to HTTP to to give you that. So that's why they say, oh, you should use content negotiation. You should use uh, content types and all that stuff. But that adds a lot of extra complexity with GraphQL. You get the best of both worlds. You can just use JSON for everything and you get schema. Wow. That's a great point. I didn't even think about that before. That's, so a huge that is a uh, that promotes reliable, robust uh, interchanges between client and service, right? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. And we add a lot of stuff to HTTP, don't we? We do uh, Open API uh, and and Swagger and these kinds of things. To I mean, yes. those are the same thing, but you know, we add these things on top of REST to get the kind of built-in schema that GraphQL just has out of the box, right? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I mean, you know, building this and then maintaining this, it's a new pain again, correct? You, right. you have to maintain this, you you know, and, and when you talk about content negotiation, right, it is a very crucial part of any, any business today, right? Because every client might want to see something different. All clients right. are not the same. They come up with new requirements. They come up with requirements which are unique, right? So you should be able to serve your your client the right day or, you know, the right data that they are looking for. Correct. Right. And the content can, if the MIME type changes with REST, then, you know, you break clients. So you have to create a new content type, you know, uh, and then that yes. becomes the issue as well. Correct. Yeah. yeah, you're right. That flexibility in GraphQL is, uh, that's very hard to overstate how important that is. That's so valuable. It it makes it okay. so I can change freely without worrying about breaking things too much, you know? Correct. Yeah. That Do you is, find that is that, one more point, yeah. Do you find that you can discover and uh, like, do you use a, a, I'm sure you use something like graphical, the client, Mm -hmm. you know, the console. Yes. Yeah. 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 To me, that is so powerful. You can just treat it like a REPL. I can just sit there and issue queries just like I would with my SQL database or something. I can just write queries and get responses dynamically before I write code. You know, I can just play with my API. Yes. Yes. That is what they call as a playground. You know, the GraphQL yeah. playground, which you have, you know, we are using Apollo GraphQL client and it also provides you with such, which one such playground, right? And, you know, there are different other benefits also, right? You can play with your query. You know what the data is going to be, right? You can see it at hand. I mean, first hand before you develop your first, you know, the UI application, right? You define your page. You just right. come to this playground, you query that, you know, you hit a query and you see what the response is. That is right. helpful for that. And then you don't have to maintain some documentation like Swagger. Right? Yes. The playground, exactly. the playground does it for you. You know, the advantage of this playground, it, it shows you what your, uh, what your query is. What is the right. typing of this query? What fields does it support? What fields you can yeah. ask for it? And the Apollo GraphQL client. Space. Yeah, you, you can do it so easily, right? There's a, you know, there's a left panel in, if I'm, I'm talking about the Apollo GraphQL client, right? right? There's a left panel and, you know, where you can see a list of queries and there is a right side panel where actually the queries hit and you see the response. <laughs> so it is so easy. I mean, uh, I mean, how can I tell you? It is so easy that you can see that query and there is a plus, you know, a plus icon next to that field that you're looking for. You just click that plus. Right. You hit that plus. Uh, for example, there's a user query. I say I want first name, last name, and uh, for example, age or date of birth. I just press plus, plus, plus. Hit the query. Hit the play button. You see the data. Right. And now you can just copy and paste that and put that in your your code to yeah, actually make the just, call in your API. You know. Right. You copy that co- query and you yep. put it in your backend API that you're developing. Right. That's right. it. Ah, oh, so so or your client talking to the service. Yeah. Uh, yeah. it's, it's amazing, amazing, amazing tech. Um, wow. You know, that's, this has been a very good conversation, actually. I, I'm, uh, you know, 
maybe maybe this could be something uh, uh, I turn into a YouTube video or something because the insight talking to you about this has just been great. You know, like um, I love GraphQL, but I just talking to you about this stuff helps me to see some dimensions to it that I hadn't really thought about. And hearing about how you are using it is is interesting too. You know, because little of me, what do I know? I talk about GraphQL all the time, but you know, like to actually hear people who are hardened by real, whose experience has been tempered by real world sort of use, you know? Right. Um, yeah. I mean, whatever I said is coming from my experience of using GraphQL because even I, I mean, I'm actually using it. You know, I've actually mm-hmm. gone through the pain and, and I've actually experienced the advantages of using GraphQL, like how it is solving so many problems for me in right. my daily use cases, right? So we, we have a different set of clients and everybody comes up with a different requirement and nobody would like their application, you know, is hang for a time for a time or for some seconds and then customer comes to you or drops in a mail saying that i couldn't see any data no that's not good um what what so what do you, how long did it take uh you know when you think about um you know uh moving from rest to graphql like had you already got did you already have a working 100% application with REST and then you moved the whole thing to GraphQL? That sounds like it would have been a lot of work. Yes. So we had a, we had our system already in place and it was working. I mean, we had a 100% working system and wow. we actually realized a lot of issues with our network latency issues or, you know, performance issues. And then... We thought, yeah, migrating to GraphQL would be a, you know, would be a right call because this is not, this is not something which is going to be used for one time, right? This is an yeah. application which users are going to use for a long time. And we have customers coming in every day, right? So the, the requirement is high, correct? Right. Yeah, it definitely, definitely the migration was a very, you know, uh, tough time, correct? But right. we thought it is worth it. System. Yeah, because wow. it's a working system. And, you know, we had our, we had a plan in place so that we don't break the already working system. And, you know, uh, we have different stages of development, right? You have a dev environment, you have a QA or stage, and finally you have the production, right? So when we started right. with this migration activity, we made sure that we are not releasing something which is breaking the production. We should release something which is making the customer more happy than before. Right. Correct. Right. So. That was it. the 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 challenge. It was a challenge, though. But I think it was worth it. And I I recommend every team that you should take that challenge because it is worth it. When when you have so many get calls or so many get rest endpoints in your application, and you are asking your customer to wait for the data to load, right? Right. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, my friend, I've just this is really like really really cool. Uh, I think people are going to have questions. Certainly. Sure. Uh, yeah. Are you on the internet? And if so, do you want to be found? And if so, where can people find you? Uh, if they want to talk to you and just, you know, learn more. Yeah, definitely. I would like to, I would like to, you know, uh, have questions from users because I get to learn more oh. when we get questions. Right. When Sorry, I some- didn't mean to. I didn't mean to suggest I'm encouraging people to go ask you for tech support. I'm saying people are going to want to be your, you know, they're probably going to want to follow you on Twitter and just whatever you say, I'm sure they would be interested. Like me, I would like to follow you on Twitter and stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know you're busy, the, I, but if people wanted to learn or follow you, you know, uh, and, and learn from you, where would they go? So I have my Twitter handle. Uh, uh, it is at the rate M-U-T-H-E-M-U-T-A-L-E. Can I, yeah, can I spell it for you? Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah, so it is at the rate M-U-T-H-A. Okay. I, I'll put it in the, I'll put it in the chat. I should, I think that okay. should be easy. Okay, go ahead and do that and I'll read it aloud. Okay, so it's, okay, so at M-U-T-H-A-L-I-A-R. K-U-M-A-R. Awesome. That's on Twitter, right? That's on Twitter. And I'll also put in my LinkedIn. 
the app and the company where you are at, it sounds like you're doing well, really cool stuff, actually. Um, I, you know, are, are, should they talk to you? Are they, are you hiring that kind of thing? Yeah. I, I mean, you mean hiring with respect to certain domain or some technology you're saying? Yeah. Just is your company hiring? You know, if people want to, want to work with you, is that, uh, is there, if not, it doesn't matter. I don't care. I'm just trying to uh, give you and the company as much, uh, opportunity to promote themselves as possible. Yes. Yes. We, we, we do have some, uh, you know, uh, hiring going on in our organization but you know how the market is today right you it's know, crazy right just now, so yeah. many it's crazy and you see so many layoffs but yes avalara is doing great business and and we are still doing the hiring thing right so i think cool yeah hiring yeah a cool place with smart people doing interesting problems um hey man it's been so much fun thank you thank you thank you for being on the show thank today you. i really appreciate it uh, thank you and I'm, yeah. I'm sorry again for all the uh trouble with the schedule that i caused uh just thank you for being so patient no problem josh thank you actually for having me here i mean i'm doing oh. this i mean i'm doing this podcast for the first time in my life and uh and when i say graphql gave me this opportunity i'm really happy because <laughs> it's uh, that's what i've been working for like like the past six or seven months and you gave me a platform to share my experience uh, thank you so I'm, much for that. Thank you, buddy. It was great. People are going to learn from this. You, you just watch. This has been like one of those things where it just, it's like a, like one of those movies where the ending isn't what mm-hmm. you think and it's actually way better. You know, it was great. So thanks, buddy. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. Yeah. Thank you so much. A Beautiful Podcast is produced by me, Josh Long. I do these podcasts because I believe that everything we do in software is for and made better by people. I want to hear from you. I'm josh at joshlong.com by email or at S-T-A-R-B-U-X-M-A-N on Twitter, where, of course, my direct messages are wide open. Do you have guest ideas, topic suggestions, feedback? Don't hesitate to reach out. If you like the show, then please consider rating it on iTunes and leaving a review, uh, as it really helps the show. I sampled music from Steve Combs's Them from Morning and Springtime and Steve Combs's Small Victory, both of which are licensed under a Creative Commons license. I'm trying to hire production assistants to make the production of this podcast easier. I want to make sure that we can add things like show notes and transcripts and, and just generally do more. If you would like to advertise on the show, then please reach out to me. Uh, and if you can't uh, or don't want to advertise but would like to otherwise support the show, then please consider supporting me at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Josh Long for as low as $4 a month. Thanks again. No harm came to any seasons in the making of this podcast.